I am the greatest. Any idea who said that? I am the greatest. Well, if you're into your boxing, you'll know it was Muhammad Ali, or he, as he used to be called, Cassius Clay. Before his fight with Sonny Liston in 1964, he spoke to reporters and gave his famous I am the greatest speech. You can actually bring it up on YouTube and you can watch Muhammad Ali standing in the boxing ring speaking to the reporters and saying, I am the greatest. Well, he may have been the greatest boxer, but he's not the greatest. He's not the greatest person who ever lived. Because we know that person is Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is the greatest man to ever walk the face of the earth. And that's the emphasis of the book of Hebrews. Jesus is the greatest. And you see... The Lord Jesus can rightfully say, I am the greatest. Muhammad Ali, the boxer, well, he can't, he can't honestly really say, I am the greatest, because he's not. But Jesus, who is the I am, the great I am, he can say, I am the greatest. In Colossians chapter 1, Paul's desire was that Christ would have the preeminence, the glory, the praise, the honor in all things, that he might have the preeminence, the prominence, the praise. And that's what we want him to have tonight in our study. And that's what the writer of the book of Hebrews wanted Christ to have. That's why he wrote the 13 chapters of the book. He wanted those that he was writing to, and he wants us tonight to know that Christ is the greatest. He's greater than anyone else. In the opening verses of the book of Hebrews, we're told that Christ is greater than the prophets. Greater than the prophets. That includes... Elijah, Elisha, Daniel, all of the Old Testament prophets. Christ is greater than them all. Then the writer moves on not only to teach that Christ is greater than the prophets, but to teach that he's greater than the angels. You remember a few weeks ago, we looked at that. Jesus, greater than the angels. Tonight... We want to think about how Jesus is greater than Moses. The Lord Jesus Christ, greater than Moses. You see, in the six verses that we've read tonight, that's the emphasis. Christ is greater than Moses, first of all, because he is the Messiah and Moses is just the messenger. I want you to take note of that, first of all. Christ is the Messiah, Moses is just the messenger. Look at verse 1 with me. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. 
Moses was just God's messenger to Israel in Egypt. Moses was sent by God with a message to to tell the Jews who were uh, in lockdown, if you like, in Egypt. They were in, in a prison, if you like, a countrywide prison. And the Lord sends Moses and the message is, Moses... Tell my people Israel, I'm going to bring them out of lockdown. I'm going to bring them out of their prison. I'm going to set them free. And I'm not only going to bring them out, but I'm going to bring them in. I'm going to bring them in to the promised land. And you see, that's a wonderful picture of salvation. The Lord Jesus not only brings us out from from condemnation and from enslavement to sin... But he brings us into the abundant life. You remember what he himself said. I am come that they might have life. And that they might have it more abundantly. And I want to tell you folks. You can have it. From the moment you're saved. This abundant life. There are a lot of people. An awful lot of people. Who believe that this abundant life. Can only be had. After you're saved down the line. Then you enter into abundant life. Just not true. The Lord Jesus wants us to have this abundant life the moment we're saved. He wants us to enjoy Him. He wants us to enjoy salvation, not endure it. That's the great danger in the work of God that we get people to a place where they're just enduring. Being a Christian, well, when the Holy Spirit does a work, the person enjoys being a Christian. But the Lord was going to do it all for the Israelites in Egypt. And Moses was just the messenger. He was just the postman, as it were. But Jesus is greater than Moses because he's not... The messenger, no, he's the Messiah. He's not only a messenger, but he's the Messiah. Now, notice how the Messiah is described in verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 3. Paul says that he's the apostle. The Lord Jesus is an apostle. We often talk about the apostle Paul or the apostle Peter. What about the Apostle Jesus? He is an Apostle. He's the greatest Apostle of all. What is an Apostle? What's the definition of an Apostle? It's someone who represents God to man. In other words, someone who is sent by God to preach the gospel to man. To preach the good news. The Lord Jesus Christ, he came into this world as an apostle to speak about God to man. This wonderful Messiah who is greater than Moses, the messenger. He's the apostle. He was sent. That's literally, if you want a a very literal definition of the word apostle, it's someone who is sent. 
And don't we love to sing? God sent his son, they called him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. Thank God that he was sent and that he came. He's the apostle. But then he's the high priest here, according to the writer. The high priest of our profession. You see, whereas an apostle represents God to man, a high priest represents man to God. In other words, the idea is of the high priest of old, the high priest of Israel, his job was to go in to the most holy place on the Day of Atonement to represent the people to God. And he dare not enter into the most holy place without the blood of the innocent substitute. And so the high priest would enter in on the annual Yom Kippur. And he had the blood with him. And as he entered into the most holy place, he knew that the people of Israel were sinners and God knew as well. But because he had the blood, because the blood had been shed and because the blood was sprinkled upon the people and it was sprinkled upon the mercy seat, therefore God could have mercy upon the people and forgive their sins because of the work of the high priest. The Lord Jesus is the one who represents us before the Father tonight. He's our advocate. He's our solicitor, if you like. A solicitor, a lawyer, who defends us when the enemy accuses us. And if you're a true Christian, you'll find that the enemy accuses you night and day. Every hour of every day, you'll hear his whispers in your ear, the accusations about your past, the failures of the past. The devil loves to drag up the past. He loves to accuse the people of God before the Father. But thank God tonight we have a high priest. Our Messiah represents us to God. So all that we need tonight as believers we find in the Messiah. And he's greater than Moses, the messenger. Not only is Christ the Messiah and Moses is just the messenger, but secondly, let me say tonight that Christ is the builder and Moses is just part of the building. Did you get that? Christ is the builder. Moses is just part of the building. Look at verse 3. He who hath builded the house hath more honor than the house. He who hath builded the house, that's the Lord Jesus. He has more honor than the house, that's Moses. Moses is part of the spiritual house, the church. Oh, I know it was the Old Testament 
But it was still the church. It was the Old Testament church that Moses was part of. Look at verse 4. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. We're taken back here to creation. We're reminded here that the Lord Jesus is the creator of this universe. He's the builder. Look at it again, verse 4. He that built all things is God. Jesus is the builder of this universe. The one who hung in agony upon Calvary's cross is the one who created this sprawling universe. I want you to go back for a moment or two to Genesis chapter 1. Keeping in mind that Christ is the builder and that Moses is just part of the building. Genesis chapter 1. I'll just give you a moment or two to find it. And I want you to notice tonight the Ten Commandments of Creation. We all know the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. I'll let you finish the rest, the other eight. Come on now. Well, I'm not going to put you in the spot. Don't worry. But here's the Ten Commandments of Creation. Genesis chapter 1. Look at verse 6. Sorry, verse 3. The very first one in verse 3. And God said, let there be light. There's the first commandment. The Lord Jesus Christ is there at creation. And he says, let there be light. And there was light. You see, there's a difference in daylight and sunlight. I get people who ask me, well, how could, like the Bible's contradicting itself here when it talks about light in verse 3. Sunlight wasn't, the sun wasn't created until later in the chapter. So how can there be light without sun, the sun? Is it a contradiction? Not at all. You can have light without the sun. It's called daylight. There's a difference between sunlight and daylight. And the Lord here, the Lord Jesus, in verse 3 of Genesis chapter 1, he's creating the daylight. So there's the first commandment, let there be light, and there was light. When Jesus commands, it always happens. It always comes to pass. Second commandment of creation, verse 6. Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. The sky. Jesus commanded the sky to be created, and it was created. The sky that the disciples saw him ascend through in Acts chapter 1. He's the creator of the sky. The sky that he will come back through as he returns to this earth. As he enters into the earth's atmosphere. 
Jesus is the creator. So there's the second commandment of creation. Third commandment's in verse 9. Hope you're keeping in mind now that Christ is the builder and that Moses is just part of the building. Third commandment, verse 9. Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place and, and let the dry land appear and it was so. So the Lord Jesus commands that there be a separation between the sea and the dry land. And that's what happens. Fourth commandment there in verse 11. Let the earth bring forth grass. By the way, that's all we are. We're just grass. The preacher is too. Oh, I know there's the big names. You'd think some of these evangelists were almost invincible. But they're just grass. Every preacher's just grass. Every person is just grass. So so weak, so feeble. But Jesus created the grass. Let the earth bring forth grass. Commandment number five. Look at verse 14. Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven. Now here's the creation of the sun, the moon, and the stars. The lights. And Jesus forms the sun, the moon, and the stars. It was Abraham Lincoln who said, I can understand a person being an atheist by looking around at the state of the world but I can, never, I can never understand a person being an atheist after looking up into the night sky. It's impossible, surely, is it? Has to be. To see the handiwork of God in the firmament, the sun, the moon, and the stars, and to say there's no God. It's absolute madness, complete insanity. Verse 15. Another commandment, let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. Another commandment, verse 20, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature, all the fish in the sea. The Lord created them all. Jesus Christ is the builder. He's building the universe here and the emphasis is on the earth. Verse 22, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas. Verse 24, let the earth bring forth the living creature. And then the final commandment. In verse 28, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. God's command to man. So there, folks, you have the Ten Commandments of Creation. And Jesus was there, and he's the architect, and he's the builder. And if he can build this universe, then there's nothing too hard for him. Whatever your need is tonight, chances are I won't be able to meet it. Because I'm just grass. But Jesus is the builder of all things. He's the maker. He's the creator. Don't we sing it at harvest time? He only is the maker of all things near and far.
So if you're very needy tonight, if your soul is in a very, very needy condition tonight, Jesus is the one you need to go to. Talk to him. Or you can talk to me. I'll talk to you as long as you want. No problem. But that's all I can do is talk. I can't meet your need. But Jesus Christ, the builder of all things, he can meet your need. He's greater than Moses because he's the builder and Moses is just part of the building. You see, the Lord Jesus is not only the builder of the universe, but he's the builder of his church. That's very important. We dare not go any further tonight without mentioning the church. And immediately we think of Matthew 16, verse 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus builds his church in his own way and in his own time. So often we think the Lord needs a helping hand. We need to give the Lord a wee push. Lord, things are slowing down a wee bit. There's not much happening. Lord, are you, are you a wee bit sleepy? Are, are you a wee bit drowsy, Lord? And that's whenever man falls into the trap of trying to do the Holy Spirit's work and then all the gimmicks come into the church. We're living in the age of gimmicks, you know. But the Lord says, I'll build my church without the gimmicks. You don't need to bother about them. All you need is prayer and the ministry of the word. Let that be your focus. Whatever you do for me, make sure that prayer has a central place and that the word of God has a central place. And whether it's the Holiday Bible Club or whether it's the Sunday services or whatever it is, the Sunday school, lifeliners, the open airs, whatever, it's prayer in the ministry of the word. And Christ will build his church for he's the builder. And we're just part of the building. We're just like, we're like Moses, just part of the, this great spiritual building. Or are you? I wonder is there someone here tonight who's not part of the building? You're in this building, but you're not part of the spiritual building, which is the church. You see, the church isn't really this building of bricks and mortar. The church is actually the people, the people who are saved. And wherever the people of God meet together, then it's a church. Whether it's under a tree somewhere, or whether it's like the Covenanters in Scotland in the middle of the heather, way up in the hills. Wherever the saints assemble, it's the church. And the saints must assemble. And we dare not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But we need to exhort one another and so much the more as we see the day approaching. The day of Christ's return. Do you believe that Christ is greater than Moses? I hope you do because it's a fact 
He's greater than Moses because he's the Messiah and Moses is just the messenger. He's greater than Moses because he's the builder and Moses is just part of the building. Let me finish tonight. The Lord Jesus is greater than Moses because he's the son and Moses is just the servant. The son and the servant. We thank God tonight for the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. And because the Son of God loved us and gave himself for us, then it's possible for us to be his servants. It's possible for us to serve him. We can only serve him after we're saved. And the little chorus that we used to sing, but we we don't sing it very often now, but you remember it. I will serve thee because I love thee. You have given life to me. I was nothing before you found me. You have given life to me, heartaches. Broken pieces, ruined lives are why you died on Calvary. Your touch was what I longed for. You have given life to me. Yes, the Lord Jesus is the Son and Moses is just the servant. Look at verse 6 there. That's the reason why I say that. Christ is the Son and Moses is just the servant. Look at Hebrews. If you turn back in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 3. I'll give you a wee moment. If you haven't found it again, Hebrews 3 and verse 6. Christ as a son over his own house. Look at it. Christ as a son over his own house. The house that is that's being referred to there is the church. Christ is over the church. He's the head of the church. He's the only head of the church, by the way. We take our orders from him alone. We answer to his authority alone. We ought to obey God rather than men. For Christ is the head of the church. And we are his servants, those of us who are saved. And we have a duty to serve him in his house, in the church. There's some people who think, oh, I can serve the Lord without the church. I don't need the church. I don't need to assemble together with believers. I don't need to be part of an assembly, part of a congregation. Well, that's a very deluded mindset. It's a deceived mindset. We must serve the Lord in his house. We must serve the Lord in his church. And there are many avenues whereby we can serve the Lord Jesus. And of course, on the horizon now is the Holiday Bible Club. 
What an opportunity to serve the Son. Maybe you've never served in the Holiday Bible Club before. Well, you come next week. Tomorrow week, you come. We'll not ask you to teach the lesson. We'll not ask you to do the memory verse. But even you come and sit among the children and help out with the practical needs, the practicalities of it all, come and do something. Come and serve the Son. And someday he'll reward you for it. Oh, we can be out this week seeking to invite children in to the Bible Club. Let's go home tonight and pray that the Lord would guide us and lead us this week to homes, to families, where there are little children growing up in horrendous conditions. You know, we're so sheltered, aren't we, in our homes? We've had such a sheltered upbringing that we know very little of the little ones who are out there and what they're dealing with behind closed doors on a daily basis. We don't know the half of it, folks. And so we need to get busy serving the Lord Jesus, the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. Let's get busy serving him over these next weeks and seek to reach the children. Didn't the hymn writer say, Hark, tis the shepherd's voice I hear out in the desert dark and drear, calling the lambs who've gone astray far from the shepherd's fold away. Who'll go and help the shepherd kind, help him the wandering lambs to find? Who'll bring the lost ones to the fold where they'll be sheltered from the cold? Out in the desert hear their cry, out on the mountains wild and high. Hark, tis the master speaks to thee, Go find my lambs where'er they be. Bring them in, bring them in, bring them in from the fields of sin. Bring them in, bring them in, bring the wandering ones to Jesus.